I'm looking for Keone. Where's my where's Keone at? Keone, where you at, bro? Alright. Back there. Keone! Oh, there he is. I see him. Alright, cool. I was wondering where he was at. Okay, um, everybody's dismissed except uh, if you're one of the kids and want to head down to Kids World, head down there and uh, on your mark, just, uh, Tina's got you on your mark, get set and go. Are we headed back there? All right, we're moving, we're moving. If you're an adult and you'd rather go with the kids, go ahead and do that. That's cool. You're welcome to do that too. Uh, I don't think there's donuts today. That was only when Terry and Fernanda are doing it. So, all right. Yeah, all right. Very good. All right. Um, this is my grandson, Keone, and, um, and this is his little cart right here. Keone, you got your string right here? All right, and uh, uh, you know, whenever we go anywhere, I kind of embarrass my family. This is the stroller I bring, because, dude, this is the coolest stroller ever. I was in Nicaragua, and I saw people use these, and so, yeah, I, I use this as a little stroller, but it's also in the house, and so... Keone, he loves riding in this thing. In fact, the string that he found in there, what we do at home is he uh, has a string and he pulls it behind him and the cat chases and he absolutely loves it. So let's see if Keone, can you wave at everybody as we go by here? Can you wave at them? No, we're going to go backwards. Can you wave at us, No? All right, well... You know, the thing is, is that in this particular cart, let's go again one more time here. All right, you're coming? waking up one more lap around here and then I'm going to be out of the wind and I won't be able to do that. Okay. is that as long as Keone gets in the car and trusts me of where I'm going to take him, man, um, he's going to head in that direction. Um, and he's going to enjoy the ride. He's starting to enjoy the ride, isn't he? You think so? Can you wave at Captain Mac over uh, here again? Can you wave at this guy? Can you wave one more time? So as long as he wants to be in this car and get pushed around by me, then he's going to enjoy the ride. And I'm going to take him to cool places. Now, am I going to take him on these stairs and just shove him down the stairs? And then, like, you know, watch a YouTube video of some kid tumbling down. Am I going to do that? No, because I love him. He's my grandson. Am I going to just uh, throw him out in the ocean in this thing? No. I'm going to take him places where I've got cool things for him to go. We went to the Christmas parade in Fort Pierce in this thing. Man, we've been to see, well, man, we've been a lot of places with this thing here. And I wanted to take him to cool places. Now, as long as he stays in this cart, he's in good shape. And, and we go to cool places, and he can enjoy cool things. But the minute he kind of gets out of the cart and says, I don't want to go in the cart with you. The minute he says, no, I'd rather stay back here. He misses those cool opportunities. And the point of this whole illustration is this, that every one of you got one of these little carts. You know that? When you were born again, you got one of these little carts from God. And God is back here pushing you in your little cart. He's doing wheelies with you, man, and he's taking you into some cool places. But when you don't get in the cart, man, you miss the cool opportunities God has for you. And how many of you have been in the cart and begrudgingly, you're just like this in the cart? Man, 
I am not going to enjoy anything about this card. Anywhere, and you know God's moving, you, you know God's taking you somewhere, you know God's doing something, but you're absolutely hating where you're at. So there's times we unwillingly ride in the cart with God. There's times we get out of the cart with God. But what's the best? Watch this. Keone, show them what's best, man. Wait good I only went through there four times and didn't knock the water over and just did the point is is when you really dig life as a born-again believer you're not only in the cart with God but you're digging the cart and let me ask you a question how many times has God taken you in the cart somewhere where you had no clue you were going you know what I'm saying and so if we will realize by his sovereignty he knows where we're going he's got some cool plans for us Man, we will dig it. We went to the, uh, the St. Lucie County Fair in this thing. Um, here. Yeah, that's the cows. No, I'm just saying. We've been all over the place. We have had some awesome times in this cart. And as long as he's trusting me and digging where we're going, things are accomplished and what's supposed to be in there. All right? So I think actually what we're going to do with Keone is we're going to give him over to Erica. Where's Erica at? Okay. Um, Erica, by the way, is starting a nursery here. So... Um, we only have one kid, right? One, one, oh, I need that cart. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you just take him. No, I, I, gotta, I gotta have the cart, man. I'll find somebody else to ride in the cart later. Any volunteers, Terry? <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, Eric is starting a nursery. You gotta start somewhere. We got one baby and, uh, at this point, but uh, she's starting the nursery. If you wanna help her um, by having more babies, then uh, no, just, if you wanna help her uh, with that, God will bring. God just told us that we gotta start a nursery. And um, we got, just got to start it, man. And he'll bring us the baby. So that's, that's where we're going. And she's going down there. So pray for her. All right. So in here, uh, let me go grab my little remote here. And uh, on this, uh, wrong way. Here we go. All right. I want you guys to repeat this with me because this all goes along with what we just learned. If your life revolves around revelation. Everybody say that. If your life revolves around revelation. You will roll up. On revival. Okay, so you get that? If your life revolves around revelation from God, if every day you get in the cart, if every day you wake up, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're in the cart with God, and you're like, all right, God, why am I awake? Who do you want me to pray for? What do you want me to do right now? Or say you sleep soundly all through the night and you wake up in the morning. What do you want me to do now, God? Where do you want me to go? Who do you... If your life revolves around revelation from God, if that is what you want every waking moment to know what God wants you to do, you read his word, you try to understand his word, you get marching orders from his word, you pray with him and you listen to what he has to say to you, you tell him your heart's desires, you let him tune you like a guitar is tuned when it's out of tune. How many of y'all know your life's out of tune? Anybody know that? Man, some, if God were to play you right now, it probably wouldn't sound as good as that band, right? But that's what this is about, letting God tune you up. And so, but if your whole life was consumed with getting revelation from God, knowing what God wanted you to do, where he wants you, what he wants you saying, what he wants you being, man, if you just get in the cart willing to say, I got no clue where we're going today. I got no clue what's happening today. Man, God, I don't, you know, I got some plans, but I don't really know how this is all going to work out. But I know you're in control of it all. You just get in the cart and you trust him to push, man. He's going to lead you to revival. 
He's going to lead you to revival within yourself. Because as you see the, his hand on things, man, Keone had no clue where we were going until after we'd been there, right? Isn't that the way it is with him? But after you look back and say, wow, that was pretty cool. You had no idea going into it what it was going to be like. But after you've been through it, it's like you see the hand of God. You, like in a boat, you see the wake of his faithfulness of what he's done. So after you've been through it, you look and say, wow, that's awesome. So why don't we approach it the same way and say, God, man, I'm getting in. I'm jumping in. I don't know where it's going, how it's going, but I know who's pushing me. Amen. Man, and we just let it all happen. Because you know what? What did he say at the beginning? Uh, what did he tell the people who were burdened by the religious system of his day? What did Jesus say to them? He said, man, if you're worn out, if you're tired, you're heavy laden, you're just whooped from this whole religious system, stick your head in my yoke. You guys know what a yoke is, right? It's the, the wood thing like this. It's got two wood pieces. He said, stick your head in my yoke. He's got a yoke. So whose head is in that yoke first? His. He's a big ox. He's got his head in a yoke, right? And he's huge, right, Lamb? He's huge. You are like a little chihuahua. <laughs> you got your head in the yoke. Your feet don't even reach the ground. And, and so half the time, he's walking around with us, and we're not digging life. We're going, yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. And we're fighting, trying to get out of the yoke. When you get eternal life, how long does it last for? Forever. Forever. Are you ever going to get out of his yoke? And do you really, really want to get out of his yoke? No, I guarantee you when you die, you're glad you're going to be in that yoke. You're just going to be sorry that you fought him the whole time while you were in it. Instead, stick your head in his yoke, enjoy the ride. You're in this little car and just say, God, I don't know where you're going to take me, what you're going to do, but man, I'm so stoked to be in this and you're my driver and have you push me. So if your life revolves around revelation, if that's all you're interested in all day long, man. And so, so say that again. If, your life if my life revolves around revelation. Okay, got that, all three of you on the count of three. One, two, three. Say, I will roll up on revival. And that's the attitude that the New Testament saints had in the book of Acts, man. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't have history of experience. They had a Holy Spirit, and they knew that was Jesus now living in all of them. And, and they couldn't wait to see what God had for them next. And that's what we're going to see in Philip's story today. So let's take a look at it. And, uh, oh, here's the second part, but you don't have to worry about this. Uh, this is the opposite side of it. But if all you care about is comfort, you're going to constantly complain, right? If it's all about you, if, if, look again, if your life revolves around revelation from God, God says, dear, get in the car, we're going. Where are we going? I don't know, but it's going to be fun. Go. Man, you're going to roll upon revival for yourself and for others. But if all it's about is this is not what I planned, this is not where I wanted to be, this is not what I wanted to do, this is not where I hope to be at 54, this is not where I hope to be at 24, this is not where I hope to be, man, you know what? All you're going to do is constantly complain. But when you get in the car and you just can't wait to see where he's at, when you're focused on him, when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, man, you're going to dig the ride. Amen. And that's an attitude. That's a decision that you make. And it's one you made at salvation if you truly made that. It's just that we're feeding the flesh way more than we're feeding the spirit while we're here on this planet. And we decide we want something else. So if you find yourself always complaining, maybe... You're not saved. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ, really. But if you know that you have, you know that you have, then maybe it's all about your comfort and it's not really about him. Because how many of y'all know that he's way more concerned about your character than he is your comfort? Do you know that? 
He's more concerned about your character than your comfort and making you more like him in that. So let's take a look at this story out of Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 25, which is where we left off last week. And we left off with Simon the sorcerer. Simon the sorcerer, man, Philip came down to Samaria, a place that hadn't had the gospel. Um, Philip preached there. People were giving their life to Christ. People were getting baptized. Now, Simon the sorcerer, he was a guy that uh, had been doing magic tricks his whole life. He had been like, you know, the supernatural guy. And he was doing them straight from the pit of hell with the power of Satan. But that's how they did it back then. And the magicians would trade back and forth. They would sell their tricks to each other. So when Philip came into town and started doing things by the power of the Holy Spirit, Simon Sorcerer is like, hmm, I never saw that trick before. Dude, I never saw that happen before. And so he's like, well, I'm going to get on this bandwagon because I know how it goes. And he came in and, and, and Philip was saying, you got to give your life to Christ. Oh, yes, I give my life to Christ. Hey, man, you got to get baptized. Boom, we're going to baptize. I'll get baptized. And then he started hanging out with Philip, not so that he could work on a genuine salvation that he had, but so that he might get close enough where he could buy the trick from Philip that he saw Philip do. And so he got close to him, and then he saw Peter and James, saw the, the other disciples come from Jerusalem and start laying hands on people, and they'd receive the Holy Spirit. He said, that's the trick I want. I want that one. And he said to Peter, how much does it cost? Sell me this trick. Sell me the ability to do this. And Peter said, man, let your money perish with you. Let your money just go away. This is messed up. You can't buy it. He didn't know the truth from God's word that you couldn't buy it. His motivation was wrong. It was not to glorify God. It was to glorify himself. And he wasn't filled with the spirit because Peter said, you need to repent. You're all messed up. And so you remember after he got those instructions saying, dude, you got it all wrong. Now, if God, God's representative told you all had it wrong, what would you do? What would you do if you told, if you told, and what would you do if God's representative said you got it wrong? Yeah, you would say, what's the right way? And I'll do it. So when he said to repent, you remember what, Phil, what uh, Simon Sorcerer said? He said, I'm not going to repent. You pray for me that none of these consequences come on me. I don't want any of these things. He only didn't, he wanted to escape the consequences. He didn't really have a love for Christ and want to sell his, give his soul to Christ. He had no relationship with Christ. All he wanted was another trick in his bag. So bottom line, we don't hear any more about him. And verse 25 starts up and says, So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord and they returned to Jerusalem, that's the disciples going back to Jerusalem. When they started going back to Jerusalem and they were preaching the gospel in many villages of Samaria. So everybody, as they scattered, they started preaching because that's what they do. When you are get receive the Holy Spirit, you are now filled with what? Help me out. Power. With power. And when you receive power, he causes you to preach. preach. And then next comes, which causes you to. Pray. And when you pray, you get more. Power. And he causes you again to. Preach. No matter the consequence, right? It's a cycle. So it just keeps happening. And it was happening here in Samaria. And now. As this great revival was going on in Samaria, can you imagine, you know, you've been praying and now you're just, man, what if, man, all of a sudden we walked out and there were just thousands of people at the, in the parking lot wanting to know about Jesus. And they're like, Race, can you tell me about Jesus? Hey, Lord, can you tell me about Jesus? Can you tell me? Hey, how many of y'all would be pretty stoked? At, Natalie, would you be stoked if there were just people swarming over you next week at uh, sunrise service? Can you tell me about Jesus? Would you be stoked? Then start praying for that to happen. 
Because that can happen. There's going to be a lot of people next week that need to hear about Jesus. And God has put you in a position to tell them. But let's just say that's all happening. And there's this great revival going on. And Natalie, everybody's telling, Ben's leading people to Christ, man. There's circles. Mac and Holly, they're praying with people to receive Christ. And now an angel comes to you, Natalie. I mean, would you be so excited? Have you ever been a part of that? And only in a little way, but would you be so excited if that was happening? And then now an angel says, oh, Natalie, I want you to go over behind Cumberland Farms into the dumpster. You'd be like, what? <laughs> That's the little car ride. Everybody's in their car ride preaching Jesus. Now he says, Natalie, get in the car. And I want you to go behind Cumberland Farms, a little dumpster. Would you be a little bit sad, Natalie, to leave the revival that's going on? And most of us would be because we're driven by circumstances and what we can see. But it would take great faith to leave that great revival. Get in the car and be going to the dumpster behind Cumberland Farms. Why am I going, God? What's going on? But nevertheless, if you trust the one who's driving, you're going to get in the car and you're going to go. That's what's getting ready to happen with Philip. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, leave this great revival that's happening, and go towards the south, along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And look at the, read the last three words there. Yeah, dude, this is the dumpster behind Cumberland Farms. That's what he's saying. He's saying, there's everybody, you know, everybody knows there's only two ways to get down to Gaza, okay? There's only two ways to get down there, and, and, and one road everybody takes, but there's another road nobody takes. That's the one God told Philip to go on. He said, get in the car, and I'm going to push you. And so Philip's like, okay, doesn't make much sense. And we try to figure out why. How many of y'all ever try to figure out why? You beat your heads up trying to figure out why. Why would God do this? Why is this happening in my life? Why, why, why? Maybe we should stop worrying about why and just do it. Because it's the why that sometimes makes us hate our trip where God's taken us. Makes us miss why God took us to begin with. Because we're so wrapped up in ourselves of why. We've got our head buried down in our hands and we're praying, being spiritual. Why, God, why? And he's like, well, if you would look up and open your eyes, you would see. <laughs> but we're down there, no, why, God, why? Anybody can relate to that? Can anybody relate to that? Keep your eyes open if he's got you on a journey, man. He's got you on a journey. And keep your eyes open, looking for the open door, looking for the opportunity. Look to see why he's got you where he's got you. How many of you ever have something happen in the last couple of weeks that, man, you know was just messed up? It was different. It was not normal. You were in a unique situation that you didn't pick, you couldn't choose, that you just know was just different. Anybody got how that happened to them? All right, Terry, raise your hand. In the airport, dude, this guy got stuck in the airport. Anybody here else get stuck in the airport? Yeah, man. There was, oh, man, anytime something weird happens, dude, don't ask why. Start looking around. I'm serious, man. Start looking around and see. Because who is the one that has allowed you to be in that weird situation? Who has pushed you into that situation? It's God. It is the power of God. And God could have picked anyone in the universe to push into that situation, couldn't he have? And not times we're like, why me? I'm the only one in the universe. And God says, yes, now take that to your advantage. I could have picked anyone to do this, but I picked who? You. And we're down there feeling bad. Ooh, I'm the only one. You know, that's us, right? Instead of seeing it as a phenomenal thing that he chose you out of everybody in the world to be able to do that. 
Don't miss it because you're down there feeling sorry for yourself. And angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise, go to the south along that road. Nobody goes down. Nobody travels down. Has started leaving Jerusalem. Go to Gaza. And it's desert. And Philip's like, duh. <laughs> duh, I know that, God. It doesn't make sense, but I'm getting in and I'm going to enjoy the ride. So let's see what happens now. Oh, read, read, these, read these ne this next part for me. Come on, help me out. So he rose and went. Dude, only it was that simple for us, huh? Has it ever been that simple? I mean, how many of y'all ever, like, you have a story, yeah, I'm not going to make you repeat it, but God put you in a weird position, and you knew it was God, and you just said, all right, I'm going to get up and do it. And it turned out awesome. Anybody have something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, if you don't have one, God wants to give you one today. He's going to give you one tonight. He's going to give you one tomorrow. He's going to quit planning. Quit trying to, trying to work out. Follow him in all of this. So it's simple. He got up and he went. I don't, you know what? Who are you responsible for obeying? God. So if he gives you a command, do it. And if it doesn't work out, whose fault is that? Well, it's ours. If we, if we obey him, it's his fault. It did work out, just not the way we thought it was going to work out, right? So he rose and went. Now, here he was. Oh, man, God must be punishing me. I did something wrong. I can't be part of the revival going on. I really need to be back there because I know better than God. God messed up on this one. And now you're thinking, that's pretty sacrilegious, right? But how many of y'all ever said that? <laughs> God really messed up. He, I know better than him. And in any ways, that's not what he said. He went and behold, a man of Ethiopia, which Ethiopia is not the same one now, kind of, sort of, but it was south of Egypt. And look at this, a man of Ethiopia, as he's going down this desert road where nobody goes, there was a man of Ethiopia, uh, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. Let me unpack that for you real quick so you can get a good picture of all of this to see how special it was that God sent Philip down this desolate road where there would be no distractions and he'd have one-on-one -on -one with this guy. All right, first of all, it says a man of Ethiopia. So, so tell me what, what, what color he was. He's black. He was another race. He was another, another culture. Okay, and they didn't have the gospel in Africa yet. Okay, so what does God decide to do? Take Philip out of a great revival in Samaria where everybody's already hearing the gospel and said, God's down there, dude, I got a special project for you. There's a guy down there from Africa and you're going to lead him to Christ and he's going to lead the whole continent. How many of y'all, if he would have told you that ahead of time, you'd go, pick me, pick me, right? But all he did is say, hey, you know that dirt road, nobody goes down. I want you to leave this great thing that's happening and go. You know why God does it that way? Because he wants to see your faithfulness. He wants you to see your faithfulness. He wants you to trust him and just do it, man. Just do it. So an Ethiopian, man from Ethiopia, he knew he was from Ethiopia because the dude was black, all right? And it was a eunuch, okay? So what is a eunuch? It can mean one of two things. And I'm not going to be too terribly graphic, but one of the things that it means is it was actually a title for somebody who was a dedicated servant that was not distracted by anything else, okay? And so it didn't necessarily mean he was castrated or anything like that. Um, it could, it does mean that also, but it means that it was a dedicated official. And so that came to mean somebody castrated because if somebody was castrated, then he wouldn't be interested in women, men, or anything else. Only his job 
So they did that with a lot of high-ranking officials. And chances are, because he said he was a eunuch and of great authority, he was both. The dude wanted the job. And when the dude got the job, basically said, I'll do whatever it takes to keep this job. So he basically gave up all his other desires and physically did that by surgery, okay? And we'll just leave it at that. And so this guy was a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. Now, Candace is not her name, but Candace is a term. It's a, it's a title of the queen mother in Ethiopia. Uh, so there were lots of Candaces. That would be like saying someone's the king. Somebody is the governor. Somebody is the president. She was the queen mother of the Ethiopians, which held the most ultimate responsibility. Okay? They had other government officials and other royalty that took care of things, but they all answered to the queen. And that's who this dude worked for. All right? And look, if you will, what his job was. His job was cleaning up the horse poop behind her carriages, right? That was his job? No, dude, look what his job was. He had charge of, what's the next word? Dude, can you imagine the person that, uh, now, now none of us are kings and queens, but the person that had charge of all your money, you're saying, that's my wife. No, I'm just, but I'm, what I'm saying, that's a pretty important person, isn't it? The person that has charge of all your money. Yeah, you better be able to trust that person. You better rely on them. They are very important. In fact, who's more important in your life than the one that has all the money, right? Isn't that where we're at in our society? So he had charge of all of her money. She trusted him with all her money as the queen mother. Now, this guy had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now, as a eunuch, okay, he was not able to be a full Jewish worshiper. The best he could be was somebody who revered or feared God. He wasn't even allowed to be in the temple, so he couldn't do full worship. Now, he's coming all the way from south of Egypt, all the way up to Jerusalem. What dedication that is when he can't even... It would be like you coming to church today and having to sit out there on that balcony. And we'd leave the doors open for you to maybe hear. How many of y'all would be here still? <laughs> Probably not, right? All right, I won't take it personal, but what I'm saying is that's kind of... The dude made the trip all the way from south of Egypt just to kind of find God. And what a shame it was that he made that trip trying to find the true God. And from what we learn later, did he find it in the religion of the day? He went to the most prominent church representing God, and he did not find God. God forbid <coughs> that uh, that ever happens here. God forbid that ever happens. Like next week, if somebody were to ask one of you, man, who is God? How do I have eternal life? And you clam up and not be able to tell. I don't think any of y'all would do that. I think every one of y'all probably pull out your little card, right? You'll have cards next week. We use these all the time. You say, dude, I got a home in heaven, but this dark, this black represents sin in my life that keeps me separated from God. But this red represents Jesus and what he did on Good Friday. He shed all his blood to pay for my sins and he was buried, died, and we're celebrating that he rose again today. And if I'll surrender my life to him, I get eternal life. I get a home in heaven. But the green reminds me of why I'm still here. And that is as I go through things in life, I fall more in love with God, and then I fall more in love with you, and that's why I'm sharing it with you. How many of y'all can share that next week? Can you share that? Amen. I know you'll be able to. And so, so in this, the guy went to church, and he didn't find God. But you know what's cooler than him not finding God? God found him. <laughs> How many of y'all can say God found me? <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> 
you're looking. Jeremiah says, if you seek God with your whole heart, you'll find him. And so he didn't find God looking at religion. He, God found him. And he had a heart that was searching, a heart that was willing to surrender. He had a heart that, man, wherever you want me to go, I will go from south of Egypt all the way up to Jerusalem. And I will then go back down that old little dirt road again. And, 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 and God found him on that little dirt road. Now, you know what's something that's pretty interesting? Do you think that this eunuch, who was a very important man in charge of all of the queen's money, you think he was by himself? No, dude. He had an entourage of entourages with him, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But this guy had come to Jerusalem to worship the best they would allow him to worship. And so let's find out what happened next. And he was returning, kind of empty. I, I didn't find God. So you could, he could have been discouraged. He could have been like, well, forget this God thing. I'm all on my own. You know what? I, I looked. I didn't. So I'm going to try to figure this out on my own. We have our own religions. We have our own source. We have our own stuff. Forget it. But it wasn't. He still had a desire for God. Where did that desire for God come from? From God himself. Exactly. He couldn't refuse that desire. And so he was sitting in his chariot. Now, did he have his air on? Was it like a Lexus, you know, a little Prada? And he's sitting there with the air on. And, no, dude, he's in a hot chariot sitting there taking a break, maybe in the shade. And look what it says. He, read this with me. He was? Yeah. Dude, when's the last time you read Isaiah the prophet? I'm not saying, no, I'm just saying. It's good stuff. You should read it, man. It speaks of Christ in a mighty, mighty way. But he was reading this, uh, Isaiah the prophet, and even God in his sovereignty put him in that book because that's how he was going to use Philip to share the gospel with him. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So here's Philip in his little, like, you know, little tyke's car, and then here's the Ethiopian eunuch with all of his entourage in these gold chariots with jewels and, and, and rich people and bodyguards. How many of you, Andrew? If there it is, man, there's, there, there's a famous person right there and they've got their entourage and all their protection and all their stuff and you're in your little, little tyke's car, well, first step car, and you're in there and God says, hey, go talk to them. What would you do? That's it, man. But how many of y'all would, how many of y'all might say, man, you know what, God, uh, they're not going to let me talk to them. You know what, God, I don't think so. You know what, God, I, man, God, I think you got to send somebody of their class to go talk to them. That's a little too rich for me. But look what God says. He didn't just say go talk to them. He said go near them and overtake them. <laughs> That's pretty bold. I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. I used to take groups. I took groups as a youth pastor to Trinidad, to Jamaica, uh, all over the place. And I'll never forget two encounters I had. Um, do you guys remember? Uh, I never watched it because by that time, man, Anyways, it just wasn't worth it. But there was a show called The Real Life. Anybody remember The Real Life on MTV? Come on, you 90s kids. Real Life, right, MTV? Well, we were going to Jamaica. And I didn't know this, but all of my kids on my Jamaican mission team getting ready to go share the gospel in Jamaica with people all over Jamaica, they had these famous actors and actresses on this reality show, The Real Life, sitting in front of them in the airport terminal, waiting to get on the same flight with us. And I didn't know all this until I got on the airplane. And we're getting on the airplane, like, psh, psh. I'm like, what, what, guys, what? And they're like, those are the real life, the MTV people. I said, man, I said, Jung Su's like, I got his autograph. I got, the, I got every one of their autographs. He's probably sold it now. They're all like, you know, I said, did you share the gospel with them? 
What? No, they're from the real life. MTV, you don't understand how famous it is. Did you share the gospel with them? Do you think it was any accident that God put us on the flight with them? And our kids got to intermingle and talk to them. Do you think that was any accident that God drove our car right up, our little tyke's car right up to them? No. And you know what? I will tell you this, that my kids learned a great lesson that day because they never did share the gospel with them. But I'll tell you what, the rest of that trip, they were not afraid to share the gospel with anybody from the Jamaican parliament to the Jamaican policeman to Jamaican anywhere because they realized God put them in that position. Another time we were in the Miami airport, I think we were going to Trinidad or somewhere, and all of a sudden, all my little wrestler buddies, how many of y'all like pro wrestling? Remember Hulk Hogan? I'm not talking about our old days, dude, you know, where it was real Jack Briscoe and Dusty Rhodes, you know. We're talking about the fake stuff with, you know, uh, Hulk Hogan, right? And, uh, yeah, but, no, I didn't really get to watch that. I only at Billy Robinson's house. But, anyways, um, my parents didn't believe in it. But Hulk Hogan, you guys know Hulk Hogan, right? And you know what his life's turned into and all the things going on? This was back in... Man, probably like 95, 96, 97. And all of a sudden, my kids are all yelling, oh, there's Hulk Hogan in the airport. And they all go running after him, another mission trip. And they all ask him for autographs. He's doing autographs. And I'll never forget, we got on the plane, and one of my kids said, man, I didn't share the gospel with them. Again, because they were too famous. They were too important. They were too scary. Oh, how many of y'all know there was some Spanish singer named Ricky Martin, right? Anybody heard of Ricky Martin? Yeah, dude. I didn't know who he was. The whole time we're in the Miami airport, they're like, oh, Ricky Martin, Ricky Martin. I'm thinking that's like Lucille Ball's cousin or something. I don't know, dude. I'm like, Ricky Martin, who is he? I finally get on. It's like, he's a famous singer. They all got his autograph. But they never shared the gospel. So the point I'm trying to make in this is, Philip, don't think... Philip is outclassed this guy, and he feels like he can go share. You know, it's easy sometimes to share the gospel with somebody who might be more needy than us. But, dude, who's going to lead Shaquille O'Neal to Christ? Who's going to lead, what's that dude on Cleveland, man? Help me out. LeBron James. Who's going to lead him to Christ? Who's going to lead these famous athletes to Christ? Who's going who's to lead these movie stars? Does Hollywood need Christ right now? What are the chances that one of you guys are going to meet some famous person in the next 24 hours? <laughs> I, I, this wasn't part of my message, but this is what God has given me. How many of y'all are going to be on an airplane in the next couple of three days or so? Yeah, dude. <laughs> He's going to put you right there with Ricky Martin, man. <laughs> it's like, or Hulk Hogan or somebody. I'm saying, guys, Philip could have been terrified and said, no, that's not why I'm there. I can't even get in through his entourage. But look what happened. The Spirit said to Philip, and when the Spirit of God talks to you and your whole purpose in life revolves around the revelation of God, you're going to find revival. And so he took his little tyke's car and said, excuse me, sir, and all your entourage, and he walked up and started talking to him. And let's see how that worked out. So it went on, and it says, so Philip ran to him. Philip didn't really like, oh, excuse me, am I bothering you? You're reading your Bible right now. No, Philip ran to him. And guess what happened in God's sovereignty? He heard this Ethiopian eunuch reading the prophet Isaiah. He was reading it out loud, trying to understand it. And so Philip got an answer, got a question from God, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? It was a simple question. Do you understand? And look what the eunuch said, how God opened and unfolded and unpacked this whole conversation the way he will with you. 
when you're in that situation. It might not be some famous movie star. It might be the most popular kid in your school. You never know who it's going to be, but whoever it is, dude, if they were on fire, literally, would you have a problem throwing a bucket of water on them? No. Look what happens. The Ethiopian said, how can I understand this unless somebody guides me? He asked Philip to come and sit with him. <laughs> Philip probably wouldn't have believed that would have happened in a million years. Paul Kogan, yeah, dude, I, man, my wife's trying to sue me, and my daughter's a mess, and, you know, they got, or Bruce Jenner before he became whatever he is. Can you imagine? Hey, man, yeah, you know, I'm having these thoughts, and my wife, you know, she's, for, for money, she's trying to get me to become a lady, and so we can, like, get more publicity. I don't, I'm just joking with you, but, you know, what if? What if you're right there with them? And God says, hey, you know, Bruce says, come here, come here, talk with me, because I got some messed up stuff going on in my life. Would you talk to him? Or would you be so starstruck? God opened it up, and he said, how can I, unless somebody guides me, and he asked Philip to come sit with him. And the place in scripture which he read was this, all right? So listen, we're not going to preach on this scripture, but go read Isaiah 53. Go read all in there. It's talking about Christ, but the modern Jewish theology wasn't sure who it was talking about. They thought it could be talking about the nation of Israel. They thought it could be talking about Isaiah the prophet, talking about himself, or that it could be the Messiah. And so the guy's like, you know what? I went to church and they didn't, couldn't tell me. Who's this talking to? And here's the scripture. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before his shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation for his life was taken from the earth? So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this is? Is it himself or is it somebody else? So look at the answer here. They didn't get into some 10-point theological discussion, did they? Watch what happened. Because let me ask you a question. Are we a lawyer or are we a witness? We are a witness. We are not, when somebody needs to hear the gospel, our job is not to present a case like you would in court and be a lawyer and prove all your points. Oh, we're supposed to be a witness. And what a witness does is simply share what you have experienced. How many of you have experienced Christ? Anybody here? You are a witness. Just share what you've experienced. I was lost, but now I'm raised. Tell me, man, like the cat. I was found. I was lost, but now I'm found, dude. Somebody came and shared this good news with me, and boom. I, dude, I didn't even know before I knew what happened, and I got saved, and I got this face, and boom, I'm here. Just tell him what he did for you. That's what a witness does. So Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, he preached what to him? Jesus. Jesus. He didn't go into Calvinism and Armenianism and, 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 and cessation and gifts of the Spirit and what version of the Bible. He didn't go into all this stuff. He preached who to him? Jesus. Jesus. There is a home in heaven available for you. But your sin keeps you from heaven. And the only thing that can cover your sin is what? Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life on this earth. He died, was crucified, was buried and dead for three days. But grave couldn't hold him. On the third day, he did what? Boom! He rose from the dead. And he's alive today. And if you have the desire, you have the ability to surrender your life to him. And the same resurrection power that got Jesus out of the grave is the same power that's in your life to overcome anything you're going through. You have resurrection power when you surrender your life to him. And you're afraid to share this? I am too. <laughs> Let you know I am too. 
when I don't really not realize what my real identity is and what I'm supposed to be doing. But when I know I'm a child of the king, I'm an ambassador to the king, and I have resurrection power, man. And that's what happened with Philip. He was not filled with the flesh. He was filled with the what? The spirit. And when we're filled with the spirit, walking in the spirit, on a God-sized mission in our little tyke's car that he's steering us to, and we can't wait to see where we're going. And we have our eyes open, and we see the open door and the opportunity, man. We're all over it. And so he preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders or stops me from being baptized? Now, let me ask you a question. How do you know about baptism? Who must have told him? Philip, right? Now, Philip said, you know, after you give your life to Christ, here's what happens, man. You know, and, and, and baptism was a symbol. He said, giving your life to Christ is kind of like this. It's kind of like burying yourself under the water. You're buried under the water. And, and so you're, you're buried, but you don't really die because you, you come back up to live in that resurrection power. You're buried and you get raised again. And next week when you get baptized and hey, are you guys getting Anna and Jerry? Are you guys getting baptized next week? All right. Did you know there's a swell coming in, too? It's going to be awesome, dude. I'm probably not even going to have to dunk you. I'm just going to have a couple guys. We're going to hold you and the waves going to whoosh. It'll be awesome, man. And how about you guys? Yeah. Oh, no, dude. Commitment time right now. You and Steve, man, it's going to be awesome. Bree, your mom's getting baptized, right? You're going to you, you, you can even help me do it. All right. Yeah, dude. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. And, and, and so what's going to happen is they're going to get buried with Christ, get buried under the water, be brought back up to represent Jesus' death, burial, and his resurrection. I don't know what I touched here, JJ, but I touched something. But yeah, you guys will make it through all of that. It's all good. So anyways, in this, baptism is a symbol of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It's a symbol of you saying, I'm dying to my old life. I'm dying to who I am as a, as a human in the flesh trying to make this work. And I'm rising to live a new life with resurrection power. And man, you know what? We're going to be preaching that next week after the sunrise service. So if you're wanting to get baptized, you've never been baptized and you've given your life to Christ. Even if you do that today, man, I'd love to baptize you there. All right. So these next two verses in all of this, because uh, the, the eunuch said, hey, what's stopping me from getting baptized? There's water. And so... These next two verses aren't in the oldest manuscripts, but there's nothing unbiblical about them. This is what the New Testament church did when somebody wanted to get baptized. They said, do you believe with all your heart? And if the person said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God with all my heart, they said, let's, get, let's do it. And that's pretty much what I'm going to ask you next week. Is do you believe that Jesus died on a cross to pay for your sins? Yeah. Do, do you, and are you trusting only in him for your home in heaven? Yeah, I am. And you believe he's the Son of God? Yeah. And then boom. We'll baptize you because that's your proclamation of faith right there. And that's what, so again, it's not in the oldest manuscripts. Many feel that later they added that to it, but it's something that's not unbiblical. That is very good reason for doing that. So look what happened. The eunuch commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and they baptized him in the middle of nowhere right there. And God just so happened to put a, a puddle right there on that little desolate road. Now, look at this. This is awesome. And some of y'all might have missed this in the story. How many of y'all read this story before? All right. I got to tell you, out of all the times I read this story, I was so caught up in all of that that I really didn't think a lot about this. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord, what's the next three verse line say? Yeah, the next three were caught Philip away. Do you know that who are the only other two people? 
that have had that happen to them, that just disappeared. Elijah and Ezekiel, right? And Philip, <laughs> the dude who started by waiting on tables. He was faithful with a little, and God kept giving him more. And God let him lead the person to Christ who was going to probably bring the gospel back to Ethiopia. Man. And so it says, after he was baptized, he came back up, but all of a sudden, Philip wasn't holding him no more. Angela, wouldn't that be awesome? I'm not going to say that I'm like Philip or whatever, but what if I baptize you next week? Angela's going to be freaked out by it. I'm just picking on Angela because I know Angela would probably be like, ah! If I baptize you and all of a sudden I bring you up and I'm gone, you're like, oh. That would just give you the willies, wouldn't it? But just know that's from God. <laughs> okay? It's from God. And that's what happened in this, in this story. Philip just got whooshed away. So the eunuch saw him no more, and I don't think anybody else did either. And he went on rejoicing on his way. So I guess he didn't really like Philip. No, I'm just saying. Why would he rejoice by seeing him gone? Because he knew this, and his whole entourage. You imagine the story they could go back to Ethiopia and tell. Dude, this guy explained the scripture. He baptized me, and I looked, and he's gone. <gasps> That's the power of God, and it gave them confidence to preach all of this in Ethiopia and bring it all home. Oh, look what happens. Philip shows up again. <laughs> but Philip, you know, it's kind of like the apostles in the boat. They, they leave an area, and all of a sudden, miraculously, they end up in another area. Philip was found at Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea where he lived. So here's Philip. God just took him in his little car. Whoosh! And he dropped it over here. Boom! And Philip's like, where am I? Oh, Azotus. So what does he do? He starts preaching again. And he starts coming around. And that's what he's doing. He's doing nothing. He's like, you know the gospel, man. Hey, Tom. He's just preaching to everybody again. Because his whole life revolved around revelation from God. His whole life, he was in, just engrossed. His, his whole life, he was concerned with nothing but hearing what God wanted him to do and doing it. This is what we're supposed to be about in the New Testament. Is there any, is there any doubt that God has got you alive in 2017? Carl, any doubt, man? He's got, because two years, a year or so, how long has it been now? One year ago, man, Carl was almost dead. Shouldn't have been alive, and God put the right doctors in the right place, and his daughters in the, in the storage thing, and all of a sudden, what did your doctor say? I'll never forget that one. When we heard him, he said, your blood pressure... Yeah, he said, this guy's blood pressure would not sustain human life, but there he is. Any doubt you're here? Amen. And is there any doubt why you're here? And every single one of us right now, because God's got us in our little tight car, and wherever he takes us, we should have our life consumed with hearing from him. And if we will be obedient instead of crying and whining about where he's got our little car going and what we're doing and all the other things, we'll keep our eyes open. We'll realize that he's setting us up for revival. He wants to use us as part of that. If your life revolves around revelation, you will roll up on revival. Guaranteed. So love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and then he will cause you to, what's the second commandment? Love others. Love others. Exactly.
that's how you know if you're doing it, man. Guys, let's go for it. I'm just telling you, at Easter, there's a reason why more people go to church at Easter and Christmas than any other time. It's because I think the Spirit of God is working in, in people's hearts, and people are sensitive to it. And it's not like we're trying to trick them, or it's not like a timeshare presentation, you know. You know, we got, dude, you come, we'll have breakfast, you know. It's like, all right, I'll put up with church, eat a, bre eat a pancake breakfast. It's like, no, that's not it. Dude, without Christ, people have an eternity in hell. And that's for real. If you have Christ, you have an eternity in heaven. All expense paid trip to paradise, man. And if it was only about you, he would have taken you to heaven and you'd be there. But again, this green reminds us why it's not about us. He could have met all my needs in heaven, but he chose to leave me here with needs. So that the more I trust him and depend upon him, the more I can share with others what he's done for me. And the more people I can bring with me. It's all him doing it. He just calls me to be a witness. Same thing with you. Let's pray. Father. I am so grateful that you've given us this uh, passage today. And um, Father, I know that it's really hard. We have the flesh, and the flesh so gets in the way. And we live in a world that feeds the flesh. But Father, we desire that you would just help us to revolve our lives around your revelation. Help us to just constantly be asking, our, picturing ourselves in this little tight car and you pushing, realizing there's no place we go that's by accident, no encounter we have that's by accident, no situation that we see that's by accident, but it's all by your design because that's why we've been left behind. Help us, Father, to um, take this story and apply it to our own lives. Help us, Father, to be faithful witnesses for you Help us to experience your power daily uh, and realize the gifts that you've given us. Because, Father, when we're that excited about what we have, we can't keep our mouth shut. So, Father, just help us fall more in love with you so we can fall more in love with each other. And we're not doing this out of guilt or obligation. We're just doing it because we realize that you pushing us around in that little tyke's car. And you just parked us right in that person's life and help us to be faithful to do what your spirit tells us to do and do it in your power and not ours. Father, I pray that there's somebody here today that's never given their life to Christ. They're not sure they're going to heaven when they die, that you would give them the desire and ability to believe that they need what Jesus did on the cross to pay for their sins so they can have an eternal home in heaven. Father, that's not anything we can convince them of. Salvation doesn't come from their head to their heart where they figure it out. You put it in their heart and with whatever little bit of knowledge and faith they have, they just go for it and say, God, you push my car. I'm sitting. I'm giving you my life. I'm surrendering myself to you. If there's someone that needs that, give them a desire they can't refuse to surrender themselves to you. For all of us that have that fraternity, Father, help us surrender more of ourselves to you today so that we can enjoy the ride and we can represent you and be used of you in a mighty way. And never mistake that you're pushing our cart in the perfect little spot every moment, every day, for a reason. And I just pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.